From Studio 113, this is the Changing Energy Podcast, recorded at Wake Electric. Good day, everybody. This is the Changing Energy Podcast. My name is Don. This is Kirk. Sean. Maria. Maria! (laughs) We're so glad that you're back. I never left this room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the place to be, and we're so glad that you are now joining us on a regular basis as the fourth host. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Keep the uh, energy going. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Most crowded broom closet in America. <laughs> yes, guaranteed. Yeah, we had to move a few mops out, but, you know, we got it. <laughs> Oh, Which we're gonna... one? Not, not my favorite, Mom. No. no. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to talk about several things. So let's talk about that. We're in season two officially. Yes. Yep. And season two is denoted by the arrival of Maria joining us on the podcast, of course. We also talked about changing it up. We want to try to keep these a little bit more compact. No promises, because <laughs> as we start Seriously. to talk about the things we could talk about, it gets pretty lengthy when we say, oh, we can, we're going to be there yeah. for a while if we talk about all those things. Yeah. We'll just see where it goes. Just well, know that I tried to condense it, folks. That's okay. Right. Sean tried. Sean's keeping us on track. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you done since the last podcast or recently that you want to talk about? I'll go ahead. Okay. Uh, I went on a very fun field trip. It's not oh. often I get let out of the building but oh. when I am, I'm supervised. I went with you, Don, and I went with Kirk, and we explored the new Nightdale substation. Okay, yes. Yeah. We felt like you needed to see firsthand how the electricity is delivered. You got to see big transmission. Very. Big substation. Lots of components. And then a and smaller then one. A smaller one. Yeah. <laughs> and I think this is a perfect... Statement for the Changing Energy podcast, Mm -hmm. you got to see a 35-year-old substation and a 2023-era substation. Any difference? Uh, No, actually, it was was pretty much the same. No, it was was very (laughs) night and day. It was was a big, dramatic change. Right. We built a station 35 years ago Mm -hmm. out of wood, on wooden poles, on wooden structure, on the size of a, yep. a of a piece of property, not much bigger than this studio, and it's oh, supposed wow. to be temporary, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and thirty five years later, so I'm glad you got to see, and so I, I'm glad you can now speak to some of the stuff we're talking about as yeah. we as we absolutely. Do you remember clear. a recloser and transformer? And I mean, if we absolutely. show you pictures, can you kind of oh point yeah, out? like on a diagram? Yeah, yeah, I could map it out for sure. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, that's good. That in right. like United States, I can get everything labeled. Totally, it's all in my brain. <laughs> United States. <laughs> Sean, you had something change. Uh, I got a tattoo. Oh wow! <laughs> so so can we put on the on the on the notes the Change Energy podcast tattoo you got? Is that what you got? Man, that is awesome, uh, man. Sponsored. <laughs> yeah, I love it, man. So I'm not going to ask any more questions other than. So you didn't get the podcast logo? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I take it we're not going to see this tattoo anytime soon. Kirk, everything good in your world? Yes, everything is good. All right. Everything's good. I actually got to go on vacation. 
And I went on a vacation with my family of four to the great state of Hawaii. Mm. Or if you know Hawaii, they pronounce it Hawaii. I was about to say. (laughs) (laughs) Barcelona. Aloha. Aloha, yes. And the one thing I learned was you don't say aloha energetically because it's not about surprising somebody or just greeting somebody. It's about a heartfelt connection with somebody. So the proper way to say aloha is aloha. (laughs) Oh, I got that down packed. (laughs) (laughs) So basically act like Sean when you say aloha. Yeah, there we go. Kirk, how did you say it? Well, when I talked to Don, when he was over there on the, the phone, I was like, Aloha, man. Yeah. Not the island energy. Yep. He's like, nope. <laughs> uh, so I w- will just briefly talk about Hawaii. First of all, it's paradise on earth. It's re- it's great. We visited Maui and Kauai. I uh, will say Kauai uh, is the electric uh, utility. Well, the electric utility on Maui is Maui Electric, um, which is a subset of Hawaii Electric. But the island of Kauai has Kauai Island Electric Cooperative. So it was a cooperative. Oh, cool. I did go by and see the building. I didn't go by and visit. I was yeah. there to, to go on vacation. But I did see what the, where the building was located. It was a beautiful uh, building there. And then just figured I'd talk a little bit about some statistics. Uh, unfortunately, Hawaii is number one in the nation. And we're number yeah. one. Yeah. They can, they can, they can proudly say that we're number one. Unfortunately, it's in the in the highest rates in the country. Mm. Oh. So their electricity rates approximately forty four cents a kilowatt hour. So four mm. times Man. what folks in North Carolina are sort of Smoking. used to. Mm. Um, and and so that was just and and if you do some to looking at you you can imagine each island has to be its own power supply mm-hmm. its own generation source its own sort of electric department islands that aren't interconnected with a with a grid yeah and they do import most of their fuel source which is oil and so it ebbs and flows so while in Hawaii had flirted with the idea of lowering their rates during covid when people weren't using as much oil mm-hmm. it was sort of the boom after covid now has made it really oh, difficult. So uh, yeah. they're still struggling with with uh, the cost associated with delivering power, and and when you look at it, and I I can say Hawaii is an expensive state to visit. It's ex- it's expensive to buy uh, food. Uh-huh. It's expensive to do a lot of things. And one thing that it, it and I read in an article, it said that homeowners are not really hurt by it that much because Hawaii has such a moderate climate that they never need to use heat. You know, they don't oh, need yeah. heat. Oh, and, and a lot of times, most Hawaii, 75 degrees is, is a temperature that most people yeah. have learned to deal with. So they open the windows, let the breeze through, mm-hmm. and they don't use a lot of AC either. So the average bill is only $205 okay. for residential, oh, wow. which is very comparable yeah. to a lot of bills that we see in the U.S. Mm-hmm. for moderate-sized homes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fine. It's the companies. It's the businesses that use most of the electricity. They're the ones that are providing groceries. They're the one that produce product. Mm-hmm. Therefore, everything costs a lot yeah. right? because electricity sense. costs them. But very, very interesting. The total energy of Hawaii, four-fifths of it, so 80% is done with petroleum um, generation. They are 17% solar, and solar was very apparent on mm-hmm. the island. You saw it everywhere. everywhere. Just about every time you come around a corner, you can All see the a roofs. solar. 
Yeah, mostly roofs, but also the farms, and farms. you see the solar farms oh, yeah. out uh, by the roadways. So very prominent, and I would, I would expect that to increase um, mm. also over the years. But that was fun. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So let's talk about where we're going to take this episode. Um, I think it's somewhat of a mystery to us. Uh, we'll just see where it goes. Uh, we we want to try to get an article in. Um, there are There's a lot of news and a lot of changes in our uh-huh. industry. Um, we also recorded an interview with a couple members back on June 10th when we did an event where we hosted all of our electric vehicle and solar users. Mm-hmm. We we sat a couple down, and from what I remember, i got to re-listen to the interview, and we'll listen to it together in a second. What I remember is that one was a solar user that was really interested in getting an EV, and the other was an EV owner that was interested in getting rooftop solar. And we put them mm-hmm. on together to kind of share their thoughts yep. about what they do. So I expect that to be pretty enjoyable. And uh, I was there. I just got yeah. <laughs> You're still on island time, so you don't remember. Yeah. St- it's yeah. all a fall. Everything from Hawaii on, I've, I've forgotten yeah. everything that happened before that. Fair enough. <laughs> Sean, can you say aloha for us? Aloha. Yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank it just you. makes me feel good inside. <laughs> uh, I grabbed an a article off of powerline.net. In, and uh, they were talking about California's ISO, C-A-I-S-O, has just rolled out their 2023 plans. And in those plans, they really increased the amount of offshore wind. They finally have gone through the process of leasing and buying areas offshore of the coast of California to include offshore wind as a major component of their future rollout of renewables mm-hmm. and because of that it did note that the difference between the 21 22 plan and the 22 23 plan uh-huh. was a doubling in the size of transmission cost wow. one year from 3 billion to 7.3 billion so a little bit more than double and and that just raised a very interesting question mm-hmm. um to me is or, or a topic that should be covered because transmission is that, that factor that very few typical Americans would think about when they think about our power supply. They think about the generation. They think about the generation sources. They think about the renewables that are coming online. Right. But they don't really stop to think about the cost associated with transmitting that yeah. power across our country. How we get it. And to that effect, Sean, I think you found an article as well. We were looking at articles simultaneously that were basically hitting the same uh, idea. California has a goal of reaching um, 100% carbon-free resources by 2045. The Biden administration says 2050. So California's mm-hmm. trying to beat that. Yeah. No surprise there. Of course. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and you were looking at an article of what experts say needs to happen for us to meet the Biden goals. Yeah. So in, in this article from um, NPR, um, it was published February 2nd, 2023. So some information has changed a little bit since then, mm-hmm. but a bunch of different energy experts were sharing how United States can reach Biden's renewable energy goals. And one assistant secretary from the office of nuclear energy said that they would have to retire as many um, unabated fossil sources as possible in order to reach the emission goals almost 80% of the coal plants in the U.S. could be replaced by nuclear power plants. Kirk's giving you a wink because <laughs> Kirk's a big fan of of nuclear. And But, but once again, as 
as you just said earlier, yeah, we could replace 80% of the coal plants to nuclear plants, but how much would that cost? Yeah. Right. Yes. You know, they're, know they're, just, they're just yeah. saying what they could very do expensive. in this one area. <laughs> I know that. It is very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a big big cost. What were some of the other expert opinions? So right here, Amy Robertson, a system engineer specialist in modeling of offshore wind, said that in order to solve this climate crisis, order to decarbonize our energy infrastructure we're going to need not just one or two renewable energy sources we're going to need a whole portfolio right sure yes and i have a document here that shows 15 to 20 uh portfolio resources everything from hydro obviously from wind onshore offshore even coal with carbon capture you know that's a technology we don't talk about a lot but they are developing so if that is still on the table and we don't even know if it's going to be on the table but if it's still on the table that's an option as well so to, to build that portfolio it's interesting, though, that the wind people say you should have offshore wind and the nuclear people say you should have more nuclear. Yeah. There's no agenda there at but all. Well, yeah, of course. Everybody's <laughs> going to talk about their yeah. specialties, but at least with the offshore, they're saying it's going to be a whole wide range of portfolios. Yeah. It's not just one or one or but two. Yeah. The win-win is the diversification. It's like with anything, you know? Yes. We don't rely too heavily on, right. on one source. And mainly because some of those sources are very intermittent. Mm-hmm. And you can't rely on them 24 right. hours a day. So you need to have that, that sort of those sources that step in when the other ones aren't there. Exactly. What, um, what, what I think is interesting about this is if you're going to go from a traditional setting of very large power plants with transmission getting it to the sources, and you replace that by retiring that power plant, and replacing it with a diversity of loads all around the system, mm-hmm. you have changed the grid. Yeah. Nearly 100%. You have turned it upside down. And what the reality is, with some some presenters I recently heard in May, I got the chance to to visit a meeting. We had very esteemed uh, people talking about what the future looks like. There was a major focus, not on as much on the resources, but was on the transmission. Because if you put these resources across the country... Our country is not evenly divided by where the population and the load sits. So you need to get the power to the load that's required. Mm -hmm. Right now, our country has over 240,000 miles of high-voltage transmission lines. (laughs) And then we have literally millions miles of distribution. And I think the number is close to 5.5 million miles of distribution line. We have... 4,000 AM miles ourselves, just on our small little utility. I will say that the National Academy of Engineering ranks that grid that I just described as the greatest engineering achievement of the 20th century. I mean, it's a big, complicated machine that works. But we're getting ready to change Change the rules (laughs) on it, and that's what's changing. So, you know, if if, if the main goal, we've talked about this before, the main goal is matching demand, Mm -hmm. With the generation, that generation's got to be ready to yep. ebb and flow with our as our demand changes throughout the day. So we've said it's about time of day. It's mm-hmm. very important. Time of day mm-hmm. is very important, especially yes. with some of these intermittent resources. But now the location, the location is is matters because if you don't put that next to the load source. You've got to travel long distances with that electricity to get there. And the main way you do that is with um, transmission. So I got to see 
a presentation by Keith Daniel. He's a senior vice president of Georgia Transmission. They're in charge of the transmission grid for the state of Georgia. They have 18,000 miles of transmission. <clears throat> Between 2023 and 2033, so the next 10 years, uh-huh. they plan to double that. So they plan to go wow. to 36,000 miles of transmission to handle these wow. resources coming online and needed to be. And the thing you about know, it, you got to have the land. I mean, I mean, wow. Yeah. Uh, so it takes the, up a lot. So their yeah. plant size <laughs> is approximately $3 billion. But over the next 10 years, their plant's going to go from $3 billion to $6 billion. Wow. So we have to recognize that us moving to this 2050 goal is, ulti- is going to is co- costing a lot of money. It's yes. going to cost a lot of money, and that's yeah. ultimately going to, to come down to the rate payer. So mm-hmm. we're all going to have to uh, sort of get used to that idea that these sort of resources will cause our rates to go up primarily because even though the generation source – sustainable and renewable is not where all the costs align. It's the cost right. in delivery. And that's not something that um, normally comes to mind when we talk about, you know, um, changing to all these different renewable sources and everything. Right. Exactly. I also, in that same presentation was Ken Seiler. He is a vice president of PJM. That is an ISO. That is a, 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 a Transmission operator for it stands for Pennsylvania, Jersey, Maryland. Mm-hmm. They have eighty-eight thousand miles of transmission, wow. <clears throat> and he talked more about how immediate concern, like today, I'm concerned with of resource performance. Think winter storm Elliot. Yes, mm-hmm. could our resources provide? And the near term concern is resource adequacy. Do we have enough resources to manage the growth that we see in the future? And the, that's near term, but upcoming concern was <laughs> resiliency. Because right. if if one resource fails, mm-hmm. how resilient can we be to get other resources up to sp- up and online? And how can we respond um, to that? Because we've heard and we've seen in 2003, if one resource were to go and we don't have backup, it's going to mm-hmm. cascade and everything's going to go out. Yeah, eventually. And you just can't <laughs> flip, a, flip a switch. Yep. The final presentation that I heard, which kind of hit home the most and was and and was the most forward thinking and out there was Dr. Andrew Phillips. He's a senior tech, technical executive with EPRI. EPRI is the Electrical Power Research Institute. So he's not thinking he's not a utility. He's actually the research uh, organization and saying, okay. we're going to research how, how you're going to do this because economically we see what it takes. But is there a is there research that we could put into this that flips that script mm-hmm. any at all? And he introduced something that I hadn't thought about, which was stop talking about physical miles and start thinking about gigawatt miles. And I see a lot of puzzled looks in the room. Yes, I'm definitely puzzled. I was yeah. puzzled as well. I understand. Actually, yeah, sure. Maria, Maria's got this. Maria, if you'd like yeah, to explain, yeah. you go ahead and explain to yeah. these clowns. I don't think I could put it in layman's terms. So I think, Don, if you could do it, that'd be better. Oh, no, I just imagine it this way. It's not just about the miles of transmission. It's how much capacity we can put on that transmission. So if we could put more, if we could put more capacity on existing transmission, sure. we can... We don't have to build more miles. So yeah. let's stop thinking about, let's say I have, in, in their terms, we have 110 
thousand megawatt miles. That means we can send one hundred and ten megawatt, one hundred and ten thousand megawatts over one mile. Mm-hmm. But that's but our transmission. But what if? But what we really need to do is send two hundred and twenty thousand megawatts right. o- that over mile. that mile. Mm-hmm. Can we? change the technology in the transmission line itself and that was a a really amazing presentation well that'd be better i mean you think about all the the land you're going to have to have for transmission line i mean look at it now when you're driving through the country yeah that'd be my hope i mean before you know it everywhere you well i mean you see a distribution line now but before you know it everywhere you look you're going to see transmission line and they're huge you know Sure. So EPRI made some conclusions at the end that basically said overhead lines impact people too. So if we could find ways to enhance existing structures, take a normal overhead line, Mm -hmm. change the technology on it, make it a smaller footprint, which would reduce the right of way, Mm -hmm. make it a smaller Mm -hmm. footprint, maybe even switch it to DC, which is a, which is dramatic. Yeah, but they were actually showing statistics that if we could go from eight from alternating current to direct current right. on our transmission lines, we could increase current capacity on our transmission by two hundred and fifty percent. Wow! So we're talking wow. about needing that is awesome. two to three times the amount of transmission. You go to DC, you get two hundred fifty percent over existing conductors. That's impressive. Okay. Now. It's impressive, but it's it's not been done. It's researched. I mean, it can be done, but it takes right. large inversions to because you do have to ultimately convert because everything in our houses use AC. Use AC. Right. So ultimately, these have yeah. to be converted back. But using DC to transmit may solve some of these. Interesting to watch. Interesting to think about. So yeah. stay as tuned we, as we yeah. ponder. <laughs> I, this has been a big, complicated discussion, of course. But to just think, of, it boils down to yes, there are resources that we can use to replace carbon. Yes, they have to be built, they have to be utilized, and then they have to be connected. And and it's the connected piece that people are not as far along yet on how on thinking of how we connect all this up. Because if you look at just timeline. Over the last hundred years, we've built a transmission grid that's been exalted as one of the you know greatest machines. Yeah. But we've got to double that in size to go to meet the requirements of the next twenty five years. It's like we're rebuilding yeah. the wheel. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> all great stuff to think about. Great topic. Let's go and see what we talked about with mm. our members at our event. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's see. And then we'll reconvene. And, and and talk about what we learned from those folks, and uh, we'll close it out. But enjoy. I got a face for radio, by the way. <laughs> That's the opening. <laughs> Here we are, the Changing Energy Podcast. We are broadcasting and recording this from the Wake Electric EV and Solar event. It is an event where we invite our members that are taking part in some of our innovative rates to come out and just fellowship and talk and, and share. Mm-hmm. And we've found two people willing to sit down at the microphone yep. with us. <laughs> we have a Mr. Bob Wicklund and we have a Dave Newman. So thank you guys for being here. All yes, right. thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, good. Us. Everybody sounds great on their microphones. Yes, we do. And uh, you're here for different reasons. Bob, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and what you are doing at your house that, that got you invited to this event. 
Um, oh, I'm a country boy, I guess, at heart. I uh, love the outdoors. Yeah. Um, the flip side of that is I've worked in technology for 40 years. So oh. I'm kind of, I guess they kind of offset and kind of meld and kind of complement sure. each other. Um, I guess about 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, I started getting in, interested in solar. Mm-hmm. And it was starting to be a, a thing. Right. And uh, it, what really attracted me would sucked me in 100% was all the rates um, that or the, the tax incentives that uh-huh. they had at the time. Oh, right. Yeah. And for me, it was like a 65% subsidy, yeah. which I felt a little guilty What year about. was this? A little guilty. I, I want to say 2013, 2014, okay. right in there. So there, you're 10 years into this. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we were, um, I think, number we we're under 20 yeah. um, uh, of the places that were... You know, I had solar installed with Wake Electric. Okay. Um, anyways, it just seemed like a no-brainer to me to do that, to pull the trigger. So uh, we just, I just started digging into it, probably 2013 sometime, and I studied it and, you know, read up on it and found as much as I could out about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just started having people come in and, and lined up uh, probably half a dozen different uh, vendors to come in. And, uh-huh. So you talked to a few of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, I I'm pretty thorough that way. A little OCD. Tell me, I guess. Uh, tell me some of the differences in in the different people that came to your door saying they could offer it. What was what was the compelling offers? What were the differences in some of the yeah. ways they approached the business, and and what ultimately made you decide to go with the with the company you decided to go with? Um, I guess some people approached it from the perspective of you know look at what you're doing for our planet. You know these mm-hmm. are, and of course yep. that's yeah. that's definitely part of the equation. I right. wanted to do something that was good. You know, reduce my carbon footprint. Uh-huh. That was you know something big then. It still is today. Still but, is, yeah, absolutely. But, um, uh, some were just basically selling a product. You know, it's like <laughs> got this in there. Try to I put it in the best light possible, even though their cost was really high and your ROI took you know, 20 years or 30 years or whatever to, to recoup your costs. Right. And I wanted a bit of both. You know, yeah. I wanted to definitely help my planet, um, but at the same time, I wanted a really good deal. And Absolutely. I got both of those. Yeah, you don't want it to be uh-huh. a bad financial decision just to save the planet. But, you know, if, if, it, if that's your goal too, there's definitely money to be spent to do your right. part. And we have lots of members yep. that have done this for that reason. For yeah. sure. For sure. But I like the fact that, that you said the, the – you told me earlier – that the company you went with, that the owner of the company went all the way up to your rooftop with measuring tape, and really went through the whole oh, wow. procedure with you. I most, like that. That's a- <laughs> most of, most of the companies they just sent a salesperson out, and you could tell that right. they knew less about solar than I did, which was kind of sad. And I asked questions, and they'd have to call back to the office and get answers. And that's that's I guess maybe where solar was at that time for resident residential right. uh, installs, but. This guy that came out, um, Dan is his first name, and he's since sold that company and made lots of money, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, he sat down with me. He answered every single question. He explained more than I anticipated that I had questions for. And got on your roof. And he got he <laughs> wow. brought a ladder with him, and he climbed up there, and he said, well, let's first look at, you know, what's your potential yeah. based on the the, the – the orientation of your home, uh-huh. what are you going to get? You know, it's how much are you really going to get from the solar? And and he did that, and it was pretty ideal. Yeah. So you're on the you're on the solar rate for Wake Electric, which is essentially a discounted rate 
between the hours of 10 and 2 uh, p.m.? Basically, after the sun comes up, it's free electricity. Yeah. Right. I mean, so I'm good. Right. Well, one of the reasons that we give the discount uh, in on our solar rate during the, sol- the solar hours is we want you to use as much as possible. If you're generating electricity, we want you to use it. And since we have so much solar in, in North Carolina and still have the baseload power, that makes our, our cost of power pretty low. So if we were going to be buying it back from you at that time, we'd probably play, pay a lower price than the retail price that you would be offsetting. So it's our intent to incent you to use as much of it as you can when you generate that. It feels kind of cool to be a part of the grid as well. There you go. You know, I mean, it's it's really unique. And, you know, some people complained about, um, you know, uh, that you buying the uh, the electricity back at a lower rate than I'm paying, that that's you know why why is that? And somebody's got to pay for the grid. And unless right. I'm willing to have my own source of storage, mm-hmm. I mean why why wouldn't I want to be a part sure. of that? Or well, to answer that question, I think that's a that's a valid point. Somebody's got to pay for the grid, and we know that there's certain times where you really need us to deliver power to you at night when you don't have the solar going. But we do have a facilities charge, and a lot of people ask as well. I, I only use a little bit of electricity while someone else uses a lot. Why do I pay the same facility charge? It's the maintenance to make sure the grid is there, whether you use a little or a lot. Everyone right. has to Everybody have has to have yep. some skin in the yeah. game. So that's, that's really it. So we, we try to make the rates reflect on the kilowatt hours, and that's what's variable from customer to customer, which is why we give you that discount because you can make the most of it based on that rate that's, that's just solely yours. So. Well, well, thank you. Let's get to Dave. Hello. Hey, Dave. Hello. Uh, so, Dave, I look down at your name tag, and we've got this event where we tell exactly what rate that you, you've signed up for. And you you have an electric vehicle. Two. Two of them. Oh. Awesome. I can't wait to hear Love about that. It. And you're on a special time of use rate, too, and it's combined. And uh, Kirk ran off and got one of these big charts right here. Yep. So we'll, we'll dive into that. But let's t- tell me a little bit about you. Tell me how long you've uh, been looking at this type of technology and, and kind of where you are today. Well, I first got interested in EVs years ago when we watched the movie Who Killed the Electric Car from way back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, just kept an eye on the technology and decided when the technology gets to a point where it's viable and I feel like I can make it work, we're going we're gonna to do it. Uh-huh. 2019 bought our first EV, which was as entry level as you can get, was a base model Nissan Leaf. Second oh, generation. Okay. Some of the earlier ones had a lot uh-huh. of battery problems. The second generation has done a lot better so just bought this this base model yep. car in 2019 and uh and you know my net cost was 20k and uh so i didn't have a whole lot invested yeah. in it so yeah. it was just a good start so drove that thing for a few years and then uh, uh we got into the the era of high gas prices and uh you know a, a y- little over a year ago uh bought a hyundai ionic 5 Oh, cool. And, I've uh, heard a couple of those here yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the reason we went that, and I'm not a Tesla hater by any means. I would, mm-hmm. In a right situation, I would buy the Tesla. But what happened was at that period of time was before the law changed with the way that they do the federal rebate. At that time, the $7,500 was in place for Hyundai but was not in place for ah. Tesla. So okay. Tesla had, had played out their rebates under mm-hmm. the pre-law, and now it's the um, – 
help me out. It's not the infrastructure law. It's the uh, it's the latest one that President Biden signed. So uh, it's infrastructure. One, it's one. Right? It's one of those. So right. yeah. uh, when when the law changed again, they gave greater incentives to local uh, or domestic source batteries. Mm-hmm. So it flipped everything around. If I were to buy the car I have today, now I wouldn't have the re- rebate, whereas the Tesla would. But would, yeah. anyway, that's how we ended up with yeah. uh, two electric cars, and it's worked out uh, quite well. Um, and you love it? No, no gas, no oil, all of right. that. Uh, very did you put something special in your garage? Are you, just, are you charging off 110, or did you get a, a 240-volt... Well, what we did is our first first electric car came with a 220-volt charger, so that's level 2 charging. Right. Level 1 would be 110, which is just not really viable for much of anything. Level 2 is the most common that folks will use at home, right home right. and that will cover 95% of your uh, charging. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, so put in a uh, 220 outlet similar to a dryer outlet. I believe it's an RV plug technically, right. but it's... Uh, and I used it with the charger that came with the car, so I didn't get a fancy charger. So the charger came with a car, and the outlet cost me $160 to put in, so that's it. So when people yeah, tell you it costs thousands to, to outfit yeah. yourself, you you really don't yeah. need, okay. usually need that. So so did that do most of my charging at home? So, yeah, most of your charging is home. So, and do you, if, if, if it was a typical day where you weren't taking a long-distance trip, mm-hmm. are there moments when you charge in public? Or is it pretty much all done at home? It, it's mostly at home, but if I am somewhere and there's a level two charge, I live in Wake Forest, go downtown Wake Forest, there's a couple of free chargers there. Right. Yeah. Wake I Electric. Think yeah, we're going to say you use ours. Yep, yep, there's a few of them. We use, we, I use Wake Electrics. I use uh, a couple at a coffee shop around town, and just I'm doing something else. I get a little bit of a charge, get 20, 30 miles out of my uh uh, charge and it's I've paid for my coffee and my lunch uh, <laughs> through through the charge and <laughs> and one of the one of the big benefits as well to uh, having your car powered by electricity instead of gasoline is that of course gas prices are very um, they, they they're very volatile they fluctuate yep. up and down they are subject to the the whims of the market and all kind of forces mm-hmm. in all different directions whereas. If Wake Electric wants to increase my rate, of course it's lower than ga- way lower than gas anyway. Approximately two cents per mile versus for for electric versus twelve cents per mile for gas average. But if Wake Electric wants to charge me more, they have to go through a board. They they can't right, just right, they can't right, just wake right. up one day and decide that sure. they want to double my sure. <laughs> rate. Uh, so there's accountability. We are a not for profit yeah. member owned cooperative, so yep. the members really have to choose what our rate right. should be to keep us sustainable and and, yeah. and moving yeah, so, forward. Yeah, so yeah. we're a little over a year. April was a year of being fully electric. We've gone to the mountains with our larger car. Larger car has a range of 300 miles. The smaller uh, Nissan has a range of 150, about. Yeah. So uh, that's what we do. Yeah, and I think that you know part of the reason we're talking about our rates is that uh, because we're not for profit, in our in our we a lot of our costs are spread out across our membership. We don't offer a lot of incentives and rebates directly to you as a consumer because you're buying the car for your reasons. We just want to give you a rate that if you participate in this rate, um, you are making the most of, of that decision. Because if you were to buy an electric vehicle and not follow the rates, you'd actually be hurting our membership uh, because we'd be paying 
higher prices for you to charge your car at a lower lower rate. Mm-hmm. So so yeah. if we can give you a rate that gives you that incentive, that's where that's really where you can make the most of it work. And we're we're glad to hear that you're here and you're exploring these type of, of options. Uh, Bob, you were said you're you may be interested in it. You wanna you wanna head down that road and start looking at EVs. Where do you think you're gonna start? I don't know, like a Ford F one fifty. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. That lightning, yeah, I, I need a power truck. of the house, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's um, yeah, car, that makes car camping a lot more comfortable. We <laughs> have a Rivian here today. Hopefully, you've had a chance to take a look at that. We are waiting on our Ford F one fifty Lightning. We have one on order. We've received here in July. The, we've yep. received the charger. <laughs> so that's great. <laughs> we got the charger <laughs> before the truck. <laughs> so, uh, did you get a chance to drive the Rivian? I did. It was awesome. Yeah, it's yeah, a smooth yeah. riding vehicle. Smooth, powerful. Um, yeah, lots yeah. of cool storage options. All right. So, yeah. what's your time frame? When are you going to do this? When are you going to make this move? Yeah. I don't really know. Sometimes. He said, "He <laughs> says I'm leaving here right now to go get it." <laughs> I got to talk to the boss first, right? And uh, Dave, you already participate in the EV and time of use. So, just to kind of explain that rate, um, you're already on a time of use rate. That basically, on a normal time of use rate, you would have a discounted rate from our flat rate, twenty two hours a day, where two hours a day. We increase the cost during our peak right. to twenty four cents. Right, but by having an EV, you are actually getting a five cent rate from ten p.m. to six a.m. every day on your entire home. Yes, that's right. amazing. And I, I yeah. get an email from Wake Electric that gives an estimate of how much I'm spending on appliances, and we understand with a single meter you can't nail it right. down exactly, but um, it estimates them. Spending on both my EVs for a month, $25 to $40 right. to, to yeah. power both cars for the whole month. Both oh, cars. Oh, and a lot of people That's spend crazy. that a week on gas. <laughs> yeah. oh, on one, one car. Yeah, yeah, one car. One yeah, car, yeah. one stop, <laughs> one one trip. So, yeah, that, uh, that's definitely compelling there, too. Well, good. Well, uh, we are so glad you're here, and thank you for, yes. for sharing. We can't wait to see, Dave, when you go and explore solar. When is that going to happen? Well, uh, my family is not in the house that we're going to retire in. Uh, I do have uh, I do have that on the horizon. I've got a few more years to work, but uh, we have a house. All the bedrooms are up. We're going to eventually want a single level house, and we're not quite there yet. But gotcha, when we huh? do, that will be that will be one of the things we look at. Well, good. Well, make sure you go to our website. We have a solar calculator. You can yeah. you can calculate the different sizes and panels and and see where it makes sense for you. And cool. And follow Bob's yeah. advice there, and, and Bob, yeah. you follow Dave's advice on EVs, and yeah. next thing you know, everybody will be uh, kind of on that same page. So, so next year when we have this, you can tell us about the name your, tag. That's you right. can bring your do. you can bring your Ford F one fifty, Bob. Yeah, and you'll be, be on cool. EV and the solar rate. Yeah, and then, time of use, maybe. And then Dave, he'll have the trifecta, right? He'll have I'm all three. <laughs> All right, folks, we appreciate you coming on here. Yes, gonna, thank you. We're going to put this out for all of our members to hear just to how people are thinking about these ideas in, in, to go beyond what they're already using. So thank you for being here. Yes. Thank you so for much. Being on, the, on the podcast. Thank you all. Thanks. Fun. It was. That was even better than I remembered it to be. I know. That was a great interview. Yeah. Bob and Dave did a good job. What do you I think, did. Maria? I think so. It's yeah. so great that our members are so engaged and invested in these technologies, and they're willing uh-huh. to share it. And you could hear that was genuine in what they were saying about looking for the right installer that that offered 
the right reason right. to right. buy solar. And you looked at a person that was truly investigating all the rebates that were available, the rates that were available, and making the EVs work to the fullest. Fullest, yep. Taking yeah. full advantage. That's good. Yep. We're going to continue to have those events, I would imagine, just to keep engaging with those kind of people. Yeah. So We they, might have a big event coming up in October. So I once so. again, thank you, Dave and Bob, for being on our podcast. I hope you and your family enjoy listening to you yep. uh, <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> And with that, so we want to go ahead and we're on that timeline that we were hoping we would hit. We are getting great questions from our listeners. We are saving those and accumulating those. And our intent will be to actually save an episode here in the not-so-distant future where we just hit as many questions as we can. That's going to be fun. All right. We'll do that. For now, we know what we need to do. All right, all right, all right, you listeners. You can reach us by calling us at 919-863-6331 or emailing us at changingenergy at wemc.com. We ask you to please follow us on Twitter at Changing Capital NRG, Facebook, Changing Capital NRG, Spotify, and iTunes. Please call us and leave us some questions and some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Aloha. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Changing Energy Podcast. Our broadcast team consists of Don, Kirk, Maria, and Sean. With special appreciation for our producer, Ara Osby, Leanna Rivers, our artistic and social media guru, and Deshaun Gibbs for music and everyday smiles. We look forward to you joining us on our next podcast. Until then, keep the energy going. I was just going to say, are we going to go around like that? You know how you say, hey, I'm I'm Don, I'm Kirk, I'm Sean, I'm Maria, you know? Probably. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, you sure. know, we've got, it's different now, so... Let's roll.